they knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world. I'm not praying for the world. He very specifically says that. But for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name. The name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. By that name you gave me, none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture could be fulfilled. The disciples were entrusted into the hands of Jesus. They were given by the Father to his Son in order to disciple, to raise up, to teach, to love, and to eventually be sent out to go spread the gospel once again. Now, Jesus, once again limited by his humanity, could not, or decided not to, I should say chose not to, save the whole world by himself. Through one person visiting every single person's door, knocking on their door, opening it, telling them the gospel, have their little wordless book, tell them the colors. Okay? <laughs> Jesus decided not to do that because he was tied to his humanity. If he did that, well, tied to his humanity, he would not have been fully human. So it was a decision that he made to make his ministry more effective. It was a decision. It was his calling. So the disciples were given to him to mentor, knowing that eventually those disciples would then mature, go through their own hardships, and eventually spread the gospel throughout the nations. Really, those disciples got to be an amazing role in the ministry of Jesus. If you can just imagine being best friends with God. That's, that's really what it comes down to. You are best friends with the perfect person, the person that is never going to be jealous of you or to hurt you or to be envious of you. The best friend in the world. And the disciples had the chance to enjoy this. And they were entrusted into the, into the hands of Jesus Christ. They were owned, quote-unquote, by the Father. They were given from the Father to the Son. Have any of you ever read the book, You Are Special, by Max Licato? Max Licato? It's a great book, a little kid's book, with a wonderful story. And the story, essentially, the, the premise of the story, is that every single person in here was made absolutely special and given by God to the Holy Spirit for care. And we have that relationship. We have that same way that the disciples were given to Jesus were given to the Holy Spirit to be cared for. And when we choose not to have that relationship that is our choice, just as we choose to have that relationship, the connection that we have is prayer. The connection that we have, the physical, emotional connection, the, the connection that we have that we can just tell him what we're thinking, that connection is through prayer. And a lot of times in my own life, I feel like prayer is generally the last thing on my list of disciplines. Like, okay, I'm going to read my Bible. Fantastic. That's wonderful. God, let me read your word. But I'm not going to converse with you at all, on it at all. You go to college, okay? 
you go to university, higher level university, you don't just read documents. You converse with people about them. You share your thoughts. You tell them how you feel. You learn. It's a process of, of absorbing information. That was built into our faith. That was built into our faith through a discipline of prayer. And a lot of times we just negate that part altogether. And I forget about it. On Friday mornings, um, some guys and I get together with Tim and we focus on what does it truly mean to meet God in prayer, in meditation, in reading scripture. How do those things go together? And that has had a huge impact on my life. Tim, being one of my mentors, a great friend of mine, my father-in-law, my boss, put it however you want, he shared some great information with me. You can pray as much as you want. You can read the Bible as much as you want. But if you don't truly meditate on the two of them together and absorb not only the words of God, but his spirit and his love, it's useless. You must absorb into your soul, through prayer, through meditation, what we were given. And through that, we have a relationship with Christ. One of the things that I imagine must have been difficult for Jesus was he was losing, through his death, 12 of his closest friends. Outside of the Father, obviously. He had such amazing pain and angst through that. It was joyful pain. But the reason being that Jesus actually had the ability to love somebody so divinely and perfectly that it was truly the greatest loss to lose that person. We, we cannot understand that because none of us in here are perfect enough, are humble enough, are unselfish enough to be able to love somebody that holy. We don't even love our kids that much. Jesus loved people more than you love your own kids, and then he was asked to die, which I'm sure he did for joy, but at the same time, it's very, very clear in here that he wasn't exactly always just hunky-dory with this whole idea of going to the cross. He had, he was nervous. He talked to the Father several times, said, Father, take this from me, this burden, it's too big. And the Father loved him and said, no. The divine pain that Jesus felt in letting the disciples go was far greater than anything anybody in this room can understand. Because we're just not perfect enough to understand it. But through his prayer, through his relationship with, with, the, with the Father, he was able to make that decision to let them go. To choose to, father, to follow the Father. In that choice, the Father was glorified. One of the things that uh, Jesus did was he prayed that prayer to glorify. He prayed that prayer of a decision to glorify the Father in an amazing way. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. That word, accepted, in the Hebrew, can also be translated received, adhered to, followed. They not only just heard the words, we find that often here on the mission field, I'm sure many of you have been in the situation where you, 
you, you, you preach or you go to a village and you do some mission work and people hear the word and they hear the word and they're instantaneously changed until the day after you leave and then no longer. How many of you have been through that exact same experience yourself? Been to a camp, been to a retreat, been to some sort of a, an experience, a revival experience where you felt this amazing spirit and then the day after you left or two weeks after you left or three weeks after you left, all those disciplines you promised yourself that you were going to stick to are no longer. Because absorbing the true love and the spirit of Christ is something that we just cannot do without the help of the Father, without the help of prayer. We have to be in contact with our Father, with, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. If we are not in contact with Him, we are incapable of absorbing His love. Incapable. Because it does not truly change our spirit, our soul. It might temporarily change our actions, but not our spirit. God already knew that the disciples had accepted his word. Jesus did not need to say, God, by the way, I got a little memo from the disciples. They wrote it down. We accept. We agree. Pass that on. You know, forward. Hit the forward button. Send it off to God. Okay? He didn't have to do that because God already knew it. He knew that it had happened. So why, in his prayer, did Jesus tell the Father something that he already knew? Jesus obviously knew that he already knew. Why did he share that information with him? Because he prayed to glorify. He prayed to make it known that the Father had impacted these people. He prayed to make it known that the Father deserves glory for what happened in the lives of the disciples. He prayed to glorify the Father. Anything that you tell him in your prayers is not something new. He doesn't get caught off guard. He doesn't get sidetracked by information that you decide to share with him in a prayer. He knows that. The reason we go to him with that information is to glorify him. To put him in a position where we are subservient to him. Well, where we acknowledge him in his great capacity to command our lives. To move the pawns wherever he wants to. He has that ability. And so we glorify him by communicating with him. And that's the true ultimate goal of prayer, I feel, is to really glorify God. In your prayers, make an effort to glorify God through honesty. Be honest with him. How many of you have ever tried to trick God in a prayer and just been like, well, if I pray about this specific thing in kind of this sort of way, you know, little gray, Maybe I'll trick him into getting a new car. That'd be a great idea. I've done that before. It's terrible. It, it feels, I just feel gross when I get done with it. I, it's like this giant, huge mind game, like a two-year-old playing chess against God. It just doesn't work. But yet we still do it. We play these games. When truly the way to glorify God is to be 100% honest and transparent before him. To let him into our deepest, darkest thoughts, our soul. And he did that here. He glorified God by bringing him in to his soul and showing him that the disciples had accepted the word that the Father had sent him to preach. And that was truly glorifying to him. Also, he prayed very, very specifically. He didn't just pray in general. He prayed specifically. He prayed this prayer specifically for the disciples. 
it says in here, uh, do, 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 do. what does it say here? I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. He prays very, very specifically. Now, it's not that Jesus didn't care about the rest of the world. It's that he came to earth with a very specific mission. That mission was to give himself as a sacrifice and disciple 12 people. That was his mission. His vision was to see the world change. was for his mission to go on forever, for the disciples to go on and, and tell of what Christ is capable of, to tell about the love that Christ has. That was what he ultimately wanted to do, but his mission was to disciple those 12 people. It says in there that God the Father gave him 12 people, 12 brains, 12 bodies to disciple. And those 12 people would then go on to change the world with the word that Jesus had given them. He knew exactly what he was praying for. I know that um, with the foundation, lots of times Tim and I all sit down and we have to make a decision or we're deciding, we've been going through you know, what to do with the schools at this point in time. And it's very, very easy to say, God, fix it. Be done with it. Which is not a bad thing. But my heart does not just say fix it. My heart is thinking very specific things. My heart has very specific information that I would like to convey to the Father. So me just saying, God, fix it, is not really a good and effective way of communicating with him exactly what I want. Not for the sake that he doesn't know, but for the sake of glorifying him by letting him into my soul. So really, get down to being specific in your prayers. Tell him exactly what your heart's desires are. Even if you know that he won't give them to you, tell him anyway. And he'll say, thank you for trusting me. Thank you for glorifying me. But no. Tell him what your fears are. The greatest overcomer of fears is God. He demonstrated that through Jesus. Jesus was put in a lot of situations where he was tempted. He experienced great fear, or would have experienced great fear, if it wasn't for his relationship with the Father. And he overcame those. He proved that in a human body, you can overcome every fear with the help of the Father. He proved it. But he always did it with the help of the Father. Because he had a relationship. He was constantly communicating, constantly praying. He prayed specifically. He prayed when he was afraid to die on the cross. Take this from me. He prayed when he was in the desert. And the devil was tempting him. He prayed to heal people on the street. Knowing that if he prayed and communicated with God, his desire that it would happen. Because his communication with the Father was just so. They were one being. Pray specifically. In your missions here, one thing that um, I've, I've noticed, I, I shouldn't even just say here. In the States, before I came out here, I had the chance to do a lot of business consulting, sitting down with people, business fixing, problem solving, things like that. And what I found most of the time was that people were not discipling others. They would send out a memo with a list of tasks and say, we need to accomplish this in order to get God's work done. Or send out a list of tasks and say, hey, to meet our quota this month, we need to get this done. They didn't take individuals aside and say, I'm going to disciple you to understand my vision 
that God has given me, my mission, the love that I have for the person that governs me. That didn't happen very often. And I find that a lot of times we do that same thing here in the mission community. We have this great, huge thing from God we're supposed to accomplish. So let's save Thailand, put a church, you know, in every Ampur, which is a great idea. It's a great idea. But the strategy is not to change masses of people in general forms. That's not the leadership structure that Jesus said would work. He picked 12. Look at this. When Jesus was feeding the 5,000, he fed 5,000. 5,000 were saved. A couple days later, he was in the city. What was the thing that they asked him for? Anybody know? What? Food, bread, a sign, a miracle? Jesus, we don't quite get it yet. He saved 5,000 people. He fed them with nothing or very little. And we still didn't believe him. It was not effective. Now, it was effective in his purpose. Not to say that Jesus wasn't effective in the purpose he was trying to accomplish through that. But it was not an effective leadership style. So what he did is he took 12 people and he discipled those 12 people. And he showed, him, they, he showed them his true heart. And those people went on to do the same thing with other people around them. The greatest pastors in the New Testament, that's what they did. When Paul traveled around to all the churches, Thessalonica, um, uh, Galatia, all those churches, that's what he said was you need to invest in people, invest in each other. And you need to do it through this relationship that you have with the Father. Pass that on. Pray. Communicate with the Father. And then pass that on to the next person that you're discipling. That's what you need to do. Feeding 5,000 people, they a lot of times still will walk away and they'll want more food. We need to be specific about the way we pray. We need to be specific about our mission here in Thailand, in your home mission, wherever you are. Be specific. Don't try and take over the world yourself. It's not going to happen. Be specific and change the lives eternally for a few people rather than changing the lives temporarily for a lot of people. Eternally. Pray for glory and joy. It says, All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. Glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with the one while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so the scripture should be fulfilled. I, I, I sense a lot of mixed emotions in here. First off, Jesus was sharing this joy, like, I'm coming home. This is so exciting. I've been on this miserable earth for this long, and I've been ministering to these people, and I love them so very, very much, but I get to come home to my Father, who I have an intimate relationship with. That joy, that excitement. I... I see that in, in death a lot of times there's a place for mourning, but at the same time, if that person is going to be with the Heavenly Father, they've already got the hard part done. They've got the dying part done. They get to go on to the glory and the joy of being in the presence of the Father. It should be a celebration. A lot of people have celebrations for their funerals. It's culturally acceptable in many, many cultures to have 
cultures to have a huge party when you die because they know that you're going on to someplace better. We're only here temporarily. Jesus was asking for protection for his own children. Protect them. Hold them. Hold them in your hand. Make sure nothing happens to them. Be with them. God desires your protection. He really does. For his glory. He doesn't desire that you go through these terrible turmoils and, and financial difficulties and things like that. That's, that's a fact of life sometimes. He allows us to go through that. But he does not desire for us to be miserable. He desires for us to communicate with him. He knows that if we're miserable, we're going to keep in contact with him. That has to happen sometimes. I have been in that place <laughs> where you get to the point where you are just so complacent, just riding the top of the water. You get to that point, and God says, I'm going to bring down a terrible hailstorm on your life because you are no longer dependent on me. And I'm doing this for your own good because if I don't do this now, I might not be able to save you later. So he brings down this terrible hailstorm upon your life and says, now it's time to be dependent on me. I'm going to take this person out of your life. I'm going to change your job. I'm going to send you to be a missionary in Thailand. Okay? He's going to do these things. <laughs> Exactly. He does those things so that we can be in contact with him, so that we are pressured in a lot of ways to have a relationship with him because he knows that we are not capable in our own human forms to do life without him. He does it for our own good. Right now, everybody in the United States is freaking out because of this financial difficulties that they're having. Yes, it's very, very real. The housing market is going through the floor. The stock market is going down. Everything, lots of people are losing the money. Many people that were planning on retirement are not going to retire. It's affecting a lot of people here. People aren't getting supported enough. And right now, God should be more glorified than ever. Because we are depending on him for that which we cannot provide. He's coming to the Father. He desires to be with the Father. And he says, I am still in the world so that they might have full measure of my joy within them. He knew that the best way to really transfer his joy to these disciples was to be with them intimately and transfer that joy to them. Help them understand this relationship that he has with the Father. That's why he was here. He transferred that joy to them so that their joy could be full. A lot of those disciples didn't realize that until after Jesus died. But then after he died, disciples were getting martyred all over the place because they were just so passionate for the word that Jesus had given them. Because he filled them. He gave them joy. He prayed for focus. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. But they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Once we're saved, we have the joy of taking part in the same joy that Jesus was able to experience on earth. Amen to that. Whether we'll ever get to that point or not, I'm sure we won't. <laughs> but do we have that capacity? Yes, we do. And we have that once again through an intimate relationship with the Father. Do you know that really... In Jesus being fully human, 
the one thing, the only thing different about his life, the one thing that set himself apart was that he had an intimate relationship with the Father. That was the only different circumstance. He went through the same hardship, the same temptations, the same difficulties, and he came out on top because he had an intimate relationship with his Father because they were one. And he desires that same relationship with every single person so that we come out on top. That's what we're given. And we have that ability. Being in the world is a lot different than being of the world. As many of you have probably heard in previous sermons, it's a very common saying. This was a serious thing for Jesus. He had taken the disciples, he had ministered to them, he discipled them, and he had taken them out of the world, the sinful, death-ridden place that they were living in. And he put them up on the shelf with him. Put them on a level where they could understand to a point the relationship that he had with the Father. And he did that through prayer. He did that through a relationship. One of the things that will divide everybody, everybody, (laughs) everybody in this room, Christians in general, is hardship. It's been proven over and over again. How many different hundreds of thousands of denominations of Christianity do we have now? Because we couldn't get along. <laughs> it's, it's, it's proven. It will happen. And yet in this, bio, in, in this scripture, one of the things that Jesus is praying here for is unity. That we will come together on one major term. And that is the term of relationship with Christ and communication with him. On that we can all agree. If you believe in the Trinity and you believe in the death of Jesus Christ and that he saved us all, the only thing that separates us is communication together with the Father. If we choose not to do that, if we choose to deal with problems and situations outside of that, our own humanity is going to get in the way and we're going to separate. It's going to happen. It has happened many, many times here in Thailand. It happens with the Thai church. It doesn't matter what church, what ethnicity, what denomination you are. It will happen because we're all human. And he says the only way to deal with that is to love the Father and communicate with him. That's what we need to do. He prayed for focus, that we could focus on the Father, that we could all together desire him. And when we step outside of that and we decide that something else is more important than that unity and desire, that's where you get separation. That's where this church will encounter the fear or the possibility of separation. And we will overcome it, I hope, because we will decide that our relationship with the Father, our focus on the Father is more important than our small little theological differences. He was praying for focus He knew that the disciples would encounter this. My prayer is that you not take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. I entitled this, Pray to Stay in the Game. Okay? How many of you play sports of any kind? Chess, cheerleading, I don't know. Anything, okay? 
you get to that point where it comes down and you've got an opponent and it's neck and neck and you're right there and the competition is heated. The last thing you're going to do is say, Coach, take me out. This is too much. I can't handle this. The hardship is too difficult. Take me out of the game. I can't make that basket. Take me out of the game. I can't, I can't make that touchdown. Take me out of the game. I can't shoot that goal. Take me out of the game. No, that's not what we do. As humans, we want to be in that game. If you're a competitive person at all, you know what it feels like to sit on the bench and watch your team just fail, and you're going, why can I not be in there failing with them? You would love to be in there failing with them. But when it comes to our faith, things get difficult. We pray that God takes us out of the game. That he removes us from the failure. Now, we can do that in a, in a way of being honest with God, saying, God, I really don't want to be here right now. This is very difficult. I don't know if we're going to be able to pay our staff next month. I don't know if we're going to have this conference happen next month. You know, what happens if we decide to have another coup in Thailand and they shut down all the airports and we're all stuck here? I don't really want to be here. Take me out of the game. No, that's totally opposite of what we do in most every other life situation when it's for fun. We've been programmed to stay in the game. And we've been given the tool to do that through our relationship with Christ. And we should pray that not that we would come out of the game, but that God would find a way to more, to better glorify himself when the game gets difficult. The disciples, I'll tell you what, what we, what we deal with here, <laughs> compared to what with the, with the disciples dealt with, nothing. <laughs> nothing. And many of them, I'm sure, have thought, please take me out of the game. I'm about to die on a cross upside down. Take me out of the game. And the Father did not remove them from the game because he was better glorified in that situation. Because it was a totally selfless and humble thing that glorified the Father. And so he does not pray here that he takes us, that we get taken out of the world, that we stay in the world, and he prays protection upon us. And I pray that same thing for every person in this room. Maybe I might be praying against what you're currently praying. But I'm praying that God keeps you here and keeps you in the game. And keeps you struggling. And keeps you glorifying Him. It is so easy for me to say, I want to go home. We don't have enough money. Boy, I've been in that position far too many times in the last year. <laughs> I've only been a missionary for two years. It's very easy to do that. At the same time, just think of how much more amazing it is when you have absolutely nothing and God provides it from absolutely nothing. And you can go to your friends and say, God provided. He did this. I had nothing to do with it. I have no idea where that money comes from. Tim has told several times in the foundation. I know Denise has been through this as well. They've probably stressed a lot over the years about money coming in for the foundation. I don't envy that. I'm in the position where I get to stress now too, but I don't envy that. But at the same time, think of how amazing it was when God was glorified because miraculously 300,000 baht just show up in our bank account and we have no idea where it comes from. And we can say, God is glorified in this situation. God, forgive us for our unbelief because we did not believe that you would provide for it and we stressed out. But thank you, Lord. Thank you that you provided for us. And thank you that you were glorified in this situation. Pray to stay When Judas, Peter, Thomas, 
all had their issues. Judas, obviously, betraying God. Thomas with his doubts. Peter with his denials. When they went through that, God knew that that was going to happen, and he had the chance to remove them from that situation. He had the chance to save them from that sin. And he chose not to. And the reason he chose not to is because ultimately they would glorify him in the decisions that they made. Ultimately, Peter would make a wonderful decision to glorify Christ. He knew that. So he kept them in the game, probably against their will. But I think God puts us in a lot of places against our will, a lot of times. Because if it was our will, it wouldn't necessarily be his. The the importance of this scripture is just mind-boggling. Verses 13 through 19. I want to read them all together here. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. Give them a chance to glorify me. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, and they too may be truly sanctified. We have been sent into this world, sanctified by truth. We carry that with us. I hope you carry that with you. You are sent into this world with the truth of Jesus Christ given to you to pass on to people. You are sanctified. You are made holy. And that is a glorious responsibility. We have been sent to where we are. I have been sent to this place right now. You have been sent to sit here in Thailand doing whatever you do. Many of you have wonderful missions, great missions, lots of people, people being saved. You're changing communities. Maybe you're just here visiting. Okay? You are here because you have been called to be in this place. At least I hope you're here because of a calling. I think a lot of times, especially in the American church, we've lost that whole idea of calling. We've just decided that being a pastor or being a leader or being a missionary is just a a profession. It's not a calling. And I hope that you're here as a calling so that you can truly fulfill the the work that God has given you to do here. At the end of this, Jesus says this glorious thing. He says, For them I sanctify myself, that they may be truly sanctified. What's he talking about there? He's going to die. He is going to make the ultimate death sacrifice so that we can be sanctified. He did that so that we could be here now doing what we're doing. He did that so that we can understand the relationship that he had with with the Father. So that someday we can get to also have that relationship with the Father. What a sacrifice. But he did it for us. And I pray that you don't take that lightly. Jesus 
the greatest sacrifice of all of us. Because he died a perfect man. Somebody that didn't need to die in order to go be with the Father. He could have finished out his life and still gone to be with the Father. But he chose to die so that we could also have that same relationship. I know for a long time when I was growing up, I felt like, oh, well, Jesus died because he had to die. That was his choice. That's what God sent him here for, was to die. He had no choice. And later on, I had a very wise person saying, Jesus did not have to die for you. He could have lived out his life perfectly holy and finished out in the exact same place that he's in without going through that hardship, and he chose to. And here he's saying, please don't let it go to waste. Do something with it. Jesus' purpose in prayer, in communication with the Father, is glory and unity so that we may be one with the Father and that he may be glorified in the things that come of that. That is a fantastic calling. And that's what he leaves us with here today. He gives us this scripture so that we know we have that ability. He gave us Jesus so that we would know that it is possible in this human body to be a good person, to live a life that glorifies God, to have a relationship. It is possible to overcome fear and hardship. Because in all of that, we gain unity with the Father and we glorify Him. And that's what it comes down to. As you go here from here today, as we worship, I pray that you find a way to glorify the Father in the decisions that you make. Truly put Him on a pedestal higher than any other in your life. Pray to glorify Him. Pray to build up the relationship that you have with the Father. He's given us this conduit. We don't have to wait for snail mail. We don't have to write emails. We can just stop it anytime and have that relationship with the Father. And I pray that you do that today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the blessings that you give us in life and that you truly just want to be glorified, Lord, and that you deserve it and we deserve to give it to you. Lord, I pray that you will create a unity in this room today that will surpass any other, Lord. That we together, as human beings, will be able to understand the calling that you have given us. We will be able to join together and make a difference to disciple those that you've given us, Lord, and send them on. Be with us as we continue on worshiping you, Lord. We pray all these things in your name.